fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I am the game. Uh, I'm the keeper of the secrets, and this is episode 36. Last week, we did a kind of a long recap, so this week, we're just going to get right into it. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. So... The, the train pulls into the station. You have all gotten completely bundled up. Um, you can hear the wind howling outside. And the window in your train car is, you know, pelted with uh, uh, bits of snow and ice and twigs and stuff like that. Um, uh, the other passengers are all bundled up as well. So the, the little... Uh, hallway leading to the steps going down is is crowded uh, a few people in big heavy you know fur coats um reminds you a bit of karakov on the dream train uh you get to the the door and as you step down onto the platform uh it's terrible that the wind is uh, very high the temperature is probably below uh below 32 below freezing um the uh, the sting of the ice crystals hitting your face and and so forth and you hear uh people sort of cursing at the the weather uh, and you hear repeatedly the name bora the bora it's the bora um but you quickly bundle yourselves into the station proper in the inside and you join a crowd of people waiting for uh, taxi cabs and you're in there for probably a good 30 minutes waiting to catch a cab to get to the uh, uh, the uh, Savoy, the Savoya Excelsior Palace Hotel. Uh, your impression is um, people are, are in a fairly decent mood when they're inside the building, but nobody, everybody dreads going outside. Um, is there anything you want to do while you're actually in the station? It's mostly just waiting in the line. Make sure we secure the uh, the pieces we have of the simulacrum in. You were our, going to carry them yourselves. Yeah. yeah, in satchels. That's not being shipped ahead. That's on our person. Well, and you've also been warned that there may be delays getting your bags to the hotel. Um, yeah. Because of the weather. Yeah, it's quite chilly for this lovely Sunday, January 21st, isn't it? Uh, people standing near you sort of turn and look at you and they say, indeed, indeed, it's it's terrible, the weather. Is, is trees always like this in the winter? Well, not all the time. Hmm. This right now is what they call the Bora. It's the the icy wind, it um, it happens all around the Adriatic. Uh, but in this case, the, uh, the, the storm front bumps up against the mountains and then it bleeds over the top and it rushes down into Trieste. So we're getting that uh, freezing cold, icy wind. It comes and it goes in gusts and uh, it's something that everybody kind of expects in the winter. Oh but, yeah, we're in the dead of it, dead of winter. 
So as you guys are milling around, just about the time that uh, you move to the front of the line, I'd like you all to do um, spot hidden checks. Eighty-nine. Forty-seven. Sixty-six, which is a failure. Okay. Fail. So just Gabe. Did you miss anything? Okay. So uh, uh Dr. Neruda and uh uh Doc and Dr. Kurz, you are um you're about to get ready to get into the cab, and there's just something that you notice in the station. And it, it's in the crowd. It's not something that you actually fixate on, but it's something that for in that moment, you sort of think it's a bit odd, a bit unusual. Uh, but before you can really contemplate it, you're getting into the cab. Um, but, but you see a man um, a little ways away from you. He's not... Uh, He's not facing in your direction, but he's not facing completely away from you either. Uh, he's dressed in a suit, and it's kind of a light, pale, yellowish suit, um, kind of drab. Uh, the man's hair is either very, very light blonde or perhaps gray. It's hard to tell, but he doesn't look like an old fellow. He looks like maybe in his 50s or so, um, he seems to be waiting for someone, and he has a very sad expression on his face, and he's very pale, and uh, it just sort of seems to you as you are climbing into the cab that that man wasn't very warmly dressed. And he looked into. He looked like he was in a great deal of distress, and that just sort of sticks with you. You get in the cab, and uh, the cab's moving kind of slowly. It's it's be, they're being careful, um, but as the cabs are all leaving, you can see it's pretty much the same everywhere. You can see uh, uh, the twigs of trees, you know, uh, deciduous trees that have lost all their leaves. Of course, probably a month ago, are swaying in the wind. And you can see flurries of uh, snow and stuff flying by. Uh, and you can hear this tremendous howling. Um, and you can feel, you sometimes can feel when you're in like a car, the wind blowing on the car. You can feel that it's moving in a very, as if it's being blown to one side. Um, the cabbie takes you to uh, uh, the... Uh, Hotel Savoia uh, Savoia Excelsior, which is a very nice hotel. Uh, but as you're as you're pulling up, it has one of those canopies where you can get out under the canopy. Uh, unfortunately, that's good for rain. In this case, the wind is whipping right underneath it, and everything else. And as you get out of the cars, the car, I would like you to uh, to do a um, a dexterity. Grazie. I think I fall on my bottom. 91. Huh. Fail. Six. Fail Extreme. also. <laughs> well, indeed, if you fail, uh, a gust of wind suddenly almost picks you up and knocks you over. Uh, uh, perhaps Gunter and, and Roland fall together. On, 
I failed as well. I got an 88. I, I, I failed also just by four, but still. <laughs> so Dorian, and the, Dorian's probably on the bottom landing right on his arm as uh, you, you are all falling sort of on top of him. Gunter, you're not happy either with your leg and your chest in uh, oh, some God. pain. But immediately the, uh, the, the doormen, they come running up to help you. Oh, sorry, sir. Oh, uh, please, you know, let us help you get up. Get into the building. Again, nothing hurt but my pride. Mm -hmm. I make sure I tip the the taxi cab driver. Oh, yeah. Grazie, grazie. So you get inside the building, and uh, it's very nice. It's very tasteful. It's still not particularly warm because they're opening and closing the door constantly. But there is a big fireplace with fire. You can see that there is a uh, dinner club inside the the bottom um and we'll assume that you go up to the concierge who uh was informed that you were on the way uh and he gives you a note that says um the uh uh the train uh, the the orient express has informed us that it should be about 30 minutes and your luggage will be brought up to your rooms are our rooms ready? Could may we go there? Yes, we'll have up. the bellboy take you up. Thank you. And up you go. Um uh we'll see there's an elevator. I'm sure there's an elevator. Uh they take you up, we'll say to the third floor. Okay. So I'm gonna say uh, thirteen for a second. No, there's only five floors in the oh. in the Excelsior. So you're on the third floor, and you are facing the uh, the water, which was one of Gunter's uh, things. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, and even now in your rooms, you can hear the howling of that wind outside. My God, is it storming out there with the wind? Mm. Well, you know, living near the mountains, that's... Uh which uh, price you got to pay for that. The, the view is beautiful. So tomorrow do we plan to go to the museum to look for this, uh, what is the name, Johan Winkelman? So, I believe that's, that's the uh, reasonable course of action. I wonder if this these terribly cold winds uh, keep our flying friend away. Mm. Possibly. That'd be nice. It would be very nice. I wonder if perhaps this weather phenomenon was somehow Dante's inspiration for the Ninth Circle of Hell. Far too easy to see the frozen lake and the the devil himself beating his great wind his great wings. Creating such a a gust. But your rooms are warm, so. Wonderful. Do we have like a nice, uh, like a secure piece, like a secure uh, uh, closet or uh, wardrobe or something like that with a lock or whatever? Or yeah, we'll we'll say yes. Yes, we have the question of how we wish to distribute the pieces, given their effect on our physiology and psychology when in proximity to them. Uh, we, I think we discussed having some experiment to see how they 
if they could find each other again, yes? Or if we could prevent them from doing so? I think we discussed preventing them. Yeah. Do we have adjoining rooms? Yes. Oh, good. Excellent. Are they opposite each other in the hall we'll or that, in a room? We'll say that they're, uh, you got five rooms. So it's usually two rooms that are adjoining. Um, so one of you is by yourself with your own restroom. The other ones share a restroom in between. I wonder if we want to put uh, some, maybe the torso as far from the other pieces as possible so it cannot draw them together as an experiment. That sounds good. I, I'll take the torso. I wonder if uh, they can only transport themselves if they are unwatched. Hmm. Well, we shall see. Be one of the experiments. Well, we have wardrobes, lockable wardrobes in each uh, of the rooms, so we could put a piece in each one and lock it up. Mm -hmm. Definitely could go for a cocktail after this, though. Warm up. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sure they have an excellent selection of wine. Uh, Gunter, do you recall what which museum uh, Winkleman is in? I'm looking at my guidebook, and it seems that there are several in the city. Let me look through my old notes. Probably around 10.30 at night right now. 10.30 p.m. It's 10.30 p.m. on the Saturday, right? It's about to become the Sunday. First. Or oh, it's Sunday. No, no, we arrive or we arrived in Trieste on, on a Saturday. Correct. Saturday evening. Oh, so this is the 20th. It's Saturday. the 20th. Oh, okay. I got so excited. I thought it was the 21st. Uh, it just says at the museum in Trieste. It does not specify which museum. Because okay, according to this, to my guidebook, there's the Museo di Storia d'Arte. As well as the Commercial and Nautical Academy, which has multiple, the Natural History Museum, um, and then the uh, Museum of Antiquities. Oh, mm. I was going to say, until you said antiquities, the first one seemed like the most reasonable. Well, I mean, we need so to go visit each one. Yeah, I think I think we should hit the first one that you mentioned first. And if he, if he works there, then they'll be they'll be able to direct us to him. So, uh, you mentioned getting uh, drinks. Yeah. Si. Por favor. Well, in a, in a lot of these countries, they like to have dinners late. So, in this case. It's a little late for dinner, but it's not that late. Oh, yeah. Um, so is that what you're all going to do? That sounds yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So you yeah. go downstairs. Um, I don't have a name of the restaurant. We'll just call it the restaurant. Um, 
um, you are you are sat down. Uh, there is a, a bar. They'll bring you whatever drink you want. Um, you can sit there for a while. What would you like to do, if anything? Oh, just I'll grab a local paper and start reading uh, with dinner. Don't mind me, gentlemen. Um, I, my Italian is flawless. All the papers are in Italian, right? At 29. I have good Italian as well, so I can help you. <laughs> I have 50 Italian. Oh, my. Here you do all the reading. <laughs> so as you are um, looking through the newspaper, you don't really find anything of, of real interest. Um, there's a few uh, mentions of the Bora that, you know, this is the time of year that it happens. They're hoping that it'll let up. Uh, but it comes and goes this time of year. Um, there's a few articles on the uh, italification of uh, Trieste um, that uh, uh, Parliament is thinking seriously about banning any other language except Italian in the schools. Um, there are... Uh, uh, Slovenes that are up in the air about that. But mm. other than those sort of things, there's not really much going on. Does, Mutter does very, it... very, very quietly about those damn fascists. Uh, welcome to we... speak yeah. Italian. <laughs> do, do we get a sense that there's a, a big mix right now uh, in this area that are not too pro-Italian? Or do we kind of get the feeling that it's mostly very pro-Italian already? Well, you haven't, yeah. The, there's a much higher Italian population than okay. uh, than anyone else at this point. Oh, yeah. well, Italian's such a good language and it's such a good culture. Just yeah, yeah. And of course, Mussolini is is rising to power at the very moment <laughs> in time. Oh, very handsome man up there on that wall. Yeah, it's very yes. handsome. All right. Mm. Um. So unless you want to have a discussion with yourselves, there's not really anything that's going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. No, I think we discussed it pretty well. All right. The train right so you in. all you all head upstairs. Uh, you climb into your very comfortable beds. And... I checked to make sure our pieces are still there. Sorry, but that's really on my mind. They're right. there. Okay, sure. And yes, after about a half an hour, your your things arrive, and they are kind enough to actually help you put them away uh, in the closets and in the drawers. Um, so you you drift off to sleep, and uh, for some of you it's easy, for some of you it's not because um, of that howling wind outside, uh, which constantly makes that sort of low moaning noise uh and the occasional pelting of your windows with snow and ice i would like everybody to do a power good lord what's with me in high rolls tonight um, e2 is a fail another fail 55 out of 50 is a fail 40 out of 65 pass i passed by one point Keith. Okay. Um, if you lose, roll a 1d6. Oh, geez. 
Five. Um, the way we're going to work this is you are going to lose magic points. Um, but they are going to equate to exhaustion. So in the morning, you are not going to have, have slept very well if you've lost five. If you've lost five points. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sleeping at all. Yeah, so Dr. Dr. Naruto is having a real hard time with that noise. I slept good. I just put the torso next to me and it just was like. <laughs> um, all right. So in the morning you wake up. Some of you are a little exhausted. Some of you didn't sleep well. Ah. Oh, oh what a terrible night. Could not sleep well. Was a terrible night. Afraid. I think the The howling of the borough reminds me a little bit of the childhood in the Alps in Zulukon. I am fresky. So you have a nice, uh, nice breakfast. Um, we'll say it's about, so it's about eight o'clock in the morning. As you're, as Okay. you've had your breakfast. Definitely need a second cup of coffee, but uh, I'll be ready to go. Hmm. Thought you would have been used to the wind uh, being a hunter like that, Theodore. Yeah, ordinarily I am. It's just something just got to me. Maybe it's the bed. I don't know. Just something. Something seemed off. But it also might be those crazy pieces we're toting around. They certainly don't seem too inviting. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. No. I slept well, got it locked up, ready to, ready to hit it. Yes, Horrible let's night. let us take Thresta by storm. Mm, Well, we yeah. can uh, uh, Nailed it. yes, by by store. Uh, well, fortunately, Yeah. you can see, you know, there's kind of a glass front right in the, the front of the hotel looking out. You can see the wind doesn't look nearly as bad as it was last night. It's still blowing, but it's not it's not terrible at the moment. Um Well, maybe we head to the the nearest uh, museum first. Oh, let's look at my map here. Uh... Uh, so if I understand, if I'm guessing at my Italian translation here, but the Museo de Storia e d'Art, I believe is a museum of art and history. Correct. That seems like a reasonable place to look for somebody who would know something about the simulacrum, which happens to be a piece of art and is a historical artifact of some esoteric note. Your linguistics and your logic are both impeccable, Herr Dr. Yes. Nilda. Impressive, given the amount of a... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't look Oh. that... doesn't look too far. Maybe, uh... Maybe a kilometer or so, so away. Wonderful. Shall we just get a cab so we don't walk through this? It looks I like would it's I would never consider walking through this. Theodore, you're a younger and more adventurous man than I am. I just didn't sleep well. I'm going to take it easy today. It I would looks not like walk. it's a little over half a mile. Okay. Yeah. But there are cabs.
Yeah, we'll cab it. Let's cab it. These are lovely cab drivers here. Let's cab. Not, not, no walk today. Hmm. So as you leg. as you go out go go out to the cab, um, <laughs> the the cabbie in Italian asks, uh, "Where where are you going?" Um, the Museum of uh, his, History and uh, Art. Uh, he looks at his watch and he says, "You've got about uh, an hour before they open. They don't, don't open until." Is there a little um, bistro nearby? Cafe, yeah. cafe, yeah. And and that's Mark. the last that he talks to you. He uh, he gets you all inside and then starts driving. And uh, you can see that you know there's there's actually you can see that there's occasional damage, um, mostly small tree branches that have been broken off and and things like that. Trash cans tipped over, um, but people are putting everything back in order. Um, you arrive at a small little uh, cafe uh, directly across from uh, the Museo uh, di Storia d'Arte. Um, it's a pretty little museum, but you can see that there are signs that say that it doesn't open until 10. Yeah. So you sip some coffee, and uh, everything seems very neat and very nice and pleasant. So far, Trieste might be quite beautiful. It's quaint. It's kind of pretty in the snow. Um, And it's not too heavy of snow. Most of the snow blows away because of the wind. So it's piled up in places, but most of it's kind of clear. So at 10 a.m., the museum opens. And uh, you can see there are a few other people that are going inside. Mm. Yep. Might as well pay pay for our uh, coffee that we had, and then. I assume there was nothing striking in the Sunday papers. Nothing. No overnight murders. No woman screaming at. Uh, yeah. It's good. <laughs> nothing like that. Um, you know. So you I, get before we go to the museum, before I forget, there was. I'm a little. I'm a little troubled. I mean, with just the uh, the cold of the people here. There was a man on the train platform, who was dressed in a strange yellow yeah. suit, which was, but it even seemed awfully thin. Yes, uh, the the sad looking fellow. Yes. Yeah. I think you looked yeah. at his watch, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, perhaps his luggage was late and his heavy coat was in. Uh, yeah, if we see him again, I w- do. You think his hair was white or 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 yellow? It had a sh- it had a sheen to it, whatever color it was. Yeah. Couldn't tell. And and you didn't see him get in a taxi cab or get onto the train. No, he just was standing on the we platform. We drove away. It's just it's just a small small thing, but I hope just, he's okay. Just how devilishly cold it is. Yeah, he didn't seem to have wouldn't... much in the way of. Of warm clothing. Did he appear to have gotten off the Orient Express also? You didn't actually see. He was definitely standing to one side in the crowd. Your impression was that he was waiting for someone. Um, maybe he was just very cold. Maybe he wasn't prepared. 
for the Bora. Could be a uh, man down on his luck, and that's unfortunately the most he had to wear. Well, he didn't look. I mean, he was tidy. He was tidy. Uh, It was a a nice suit, probably tweed, a little little old fashioned, but, uh, you know, probably worn with age, but not really. It's not was wasn't shattered, uh, shabby or anything. Not cold enough to shatter. (laughs) (laughs) Not not inside the building anyway. Um, So the museum opens. And you uh, could probably stroll across the street to the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, you go inside. Uh, obviously, they collect. There's a great deal of uh, of antiquities that are there and beautiful things and glass cases filled with stuff. Um, it's uh, The charge is two lira f- uh, for admission. This and, is nothing, uh, yes? Oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah. I try to... To speak? Oh, I, I try to nonchalantly just sort of take notice if anyone's taking notice of us intently. Not particularly. Okay. Is it the sort of museum that was purpose-built or is perhaps uh, a wealthy family's home that was converted or is it attached to an institution like a university or something? No, no there actually is no university in Trieste. Um, there are a number of small libraries. Um, there's one, you know, kind of large public or, or not, not anything like the Bibliothèque Nationale de Paris, but, uh, something, something much smaller. Um, I'd say it's probably built for this, this, in this case, to be a museum. Um, so the, there has probably there is some structure that is logical. It is arranged chronologically or something. Right. And there are rooms with things displayed in case cases and and so forth. Uh, yeah, I, th- I would like to get a look at the holdings in general before we try to find our, our Rinkelmann. Okay. Maybe there is a uh, a section for Turkish artifacts or. Well, we can also go chronologically by when we think the piece would have arrived here and see if there are things that would match. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do what we'll call it a library use, even though it's a museum use? Uh, regular only. Um, they have very few. Um, they have very, very few as far as Asian or. Uh, Middle Eastern stuff. Almost all of their stuff is Roman, Greek um, stuff that's obviously stuff actually that's not necessarily appropriated from someplace because Trieste used, it was founded by the Romans a long time ago. So um, it's local history art. Various little, little things, trinkets, and things like that. Um, but it's a fairly large building. Um, there are different wings, different different objects, but almost all of it is local art, uh, things that are associated with the area and so forth. Um, you can see also that there are gardens outside that are obviously windblown and snowy um, statue, uh, statues out there, things like that. Is there, is it, 
is it like is it mostly like historical artifacts and a little bit of art is it like kind of half and half i think in this case when they're talking about art they are meaning mostly sculpture mostly friezes from from roman walls and temples and things like that okay that are displayed um, do they have an area that specializes say in the crusades um no probably not do they have a directory that lists like staff? Uh, not posted anywhere. No. Okay. No. I mean, there are there are guard there are, uh, guards there are curators there are yeah, but not like staff, oh, the staff that took your money. Yeah, but there's not like oh, curator of the museum is this person and right. not like okay, All right. Well, I'll, at some point while we're walking around, I'll look. I'll try to spot somebody who seems to be like a curator type. Okay. Yeah. People who are answering questions. Sure. Um, and I'll drag one of the Italian speakers with me. Um, the, uh, Theo, you want to come? Speak some Italian. <laughs> si. <laughs> Grazie. Um, I want to go up to them. I don't know any Italian. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's okay. That's about as far as it goes. Buongiorno. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Buongiorno. Um, you have questions? Yes, I'm looking for uh, Dr. John Winkleman. Um, a doctor, Dr. Winkleman? Or maybe he's not a doctor, just you mean John Winkleman. Johan Winkleman? Johan, yes. <laughs> um the uh Gidiardini uh Lepidaria. And he points to the glass door leading out into the garden. Uh let's see. Hmm. Given his name, he may be a German speaker, so that will ease things somewhat. Yes, uh, quite nice. Given the resilience of the artifacts in question, there is no reason for them not to be outside in a stone garden. So, what are you going to do? I will go... The... Look out the glass door. So as you're yeah, looking, you look out the glass door. It's basically a, a terraced garden. Um, it's probably lovely in the springtime when things are blooming. But what you can see are there are a lot of statues, a lot of monuments that are out there. And you can see what looks like a large Roman temple uh, that either is supposed to be there or it was moved there from some other place but it's quite large maybe you know 20 or 30 feet high by you know it's it's a big building not not wow. a, not like a cathedral but you know what i mean uh, let's take a look at it there, maybe there's some value in, in giving it a closer look over all right yeah 
So as you are stepping, when you open up the door to go outside, of course, it is freezing cold. <laughs> uh, the wind is blowing. Um, where do you spot hiddens looking in that direction? Fail. Spot hiddens with this fur cap on. There's no way I can fail now. I Regular fail. Oh, my God, I fail again. Even with the fur hat? <laughs> Even with the fur, this just wow. does no good here. Yeah. <laughs> get rid, get rid of our fur hat. <laughs> I got a thirty-one, which is just a reckon. Okay. So, Dorian, you think as you're stepping out of the door that you see something move over by that Roman temple. Um, but when you look a second time, you don't really see anything. But there's definitely was something moving over there a moment ago. Does it look like the museum was uh, at all built around the temple as if it existed before or like the Colosseum? Or does it look like it was moved here and reassembled? It's, it's just hard to tell, but it's awfully big. So you would think that it probably was here originally. Hmm. Just be careful. I, I, I thought I saw someone. Just lingering around. I think my mind, I think the lack of sleep last night. My... Oh. Yeah, I, I saw a little something maybe move, but it might have been a bird out of the corner of my exactly. eye. Exactly. Could be just, an animal or something. Just, just call out to him. He, if he, he was pointed out to be here. Hey, Herr Winkleman. There's no response. Uh, I'm. They will be out of the wind inside this temple, and uh, ancient structures are of interest. I'll go inside. All right. Yeah, so as you follow. approach it, there's kind of an arch doorway. There's no door on it. Um, it's an archway, uh, and you can you can tell immediately that there are no lights inside. It's there's no windows. It's basically a large rectangular room. Um. And it takes your eyes a few minutes to or a few a few seconds to get used to the uh, the darkness. Um, there's the lonely lights coming from behind you. And as you look in, there seem to be a number of cat piles of you know cats in the corners trying to keep warm in the cold, uh, which isn't that unusual. Um, and there is a large uh, looks like a large epitaph. Uh, at one end uh, that looks like this. Oh, hi. And as you approach it, uh, you see this. Does anybody have Latin? I do, at long last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll assume you know your Latin. So you take a look at it, and what you can read is... Johann Winkelmann, citizen of Stendal, overseer of the protection and excavation of the monuments of Rome, highly renowned for his refined culture, was, after a visit to Vienna, about to return to the seat of his office. In that city, by the, in that city by the hand of a foreign trader, murdered on the 8th of June, 1768, at the age of 50 years, 5 months and 30 days. The citizens of Trieste realized this after a public subscription in 1832 for the outstanding interpreter of antiquities. Oh, my. 
I would so, explain the uh, odd look you got when you ask about him, uh, Dr. Nero. Yes, I mean, from uh, Professor Smythe, I mean, I've known the man for years, um, and I guess I just assumed when he said to look up uh, Johan Winkelmann in Trieste, I assumed it was a living academic associate. A uh, reasonable assumption? Maybe, then, we should look up the history surrounding him more, then. Well, yeah, delve deep into his history. Yeah, so is maybe. This, is this like a, uh, like a, the lid could open up? Kind no. Of no. Okay. It's not a grave. It's just an is epitaph. Does the, the statue, does the sculpture on top of the uh, epitaph, does one of its legs look peculiar? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, however, uh, what what it is, it's an angel on the top of it, but the angel is holding a, a, a circle with Winkleman's portrait, you know, uh, carved into uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. So. So. Um, <laughs> Obviously, it's cold out here. You can head back inside. Yeah, but gosh, it just seems there's got to be more to this. Well, the man was uh, someone who uncovered lost objects. Uh, so we uh, presumably he found that this lost object and did something with it so uh, as as you were kind of looking around as you've gone back uh, inside it suddenly becomes you don't know why it you didn't notice it before but there is a large portrait of uh johann winkelmann on the wall uh mm -hmm. over in on one side and quite a few objects in there that he collected this is what he looks like mm. Johan. And when you look at the portrait, that man in the in the uh, the station earlier, there's like a little bit of resemblance. You think you don't know? Maybe it's just your imagination. You really didn't get a good look at the guy's face, but the shape of the body. Of course, the painting has dark hair. Uh, well, also things change as if, as for example, when women become aged suddenly and other things become rats. The uh, the book that he is holding uh, says something in Greek. I'm going to jot down what I can see of it in case that is relevant. Well, no, ha have any of you mentioned this? similarity the two of you that seen it or i'm i'm guessing you shared this with us hopefully <laughs> it's almost crazy enough not to share but i might say just out loud to roland do you don't think that he uh, looks familiar that do you it's a funny shape for a skull. He looks like our friend, yes, except perhaps younger. I mean, that would make him uh, 
a hundred and close Not to to mention the fact that he is already memorialized after being murdered at the age of 50. So, but in the we've portrait, he's younger than 50, we think. Um, the think portrait was actually done a number of years after he was dead. Well, remember the, the Frenchman in the catacombs. No longer the, a Frenchman. We, yeah, but I mean, uh, it, 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 we've we've experienced some pretty bizarre what if things. He was, that... What if the de learning the detailed account of his murder would be interesting? I wonder if he was killed for being in possession of a certain... Or... Well, as you are looking around this area, this wing, uh, there is um, a, a plaque on the wall with uh, kind of all about Johann Winkelmann. And directly underneath it is a case, uh, a glass case. And there is a, a small ornate box. And in the box, there are uh, seven, uh, I mean, we would call them coins. They're listed as medallions. Technically, medallions usually, they're about the size of a, a gold piece, a big one. You mm -hmm. know, medallions are more for commemoration than they are for money it's not money yeah. but so forth anyways this is what the plaque on the wall says hmm. johan winkelman born on the 9th of december 1717 at stendal in prussia he died on the 8th of june 1768 in trieste the son of a cobbler Winkleman's formative years were strongly influenced by a study of Greek, particularly the works of Homer. He studied theology at the University of Hall in 1738 and medicine at the University of Jena from 1741 to 42. His interest in Greek art, art may be dated from 1748 when he worked as a librarian to Count von Bunau. His first work in this area, Reflections on the Painting and Sculptures of the Greeks, was published in 1755 and translated in several languages. He became librarian of the Vatican and moved from his native Germany to Rome. It was during a trip to visit his home in Stendhal that Winkelmann was murdered after unexpectedly turning back for Rome at Regensburg. He, he wrote to friends, I am not what I would wish to be, and mentioned a melancholy which had overtaken taken him. Winkleman's traveling companion, art dealer named, Italian name, insisted that at least they should go to Vienna, but there Winkleman abandoned the companion and headed for Trieste. There he met a man named Francesco, a thief who worked as a cook and pimp. Arc Arcangeli at first strangled and then fatally stabbed Winkleman, apparently during an attempt to steal a number of medals carried by Winkleman. Arcangeli was arrested and later executed by being broken on a wheel outside the hotel where the murder was committed. Winkleman had time to make a will before he expired, in which he left most of his possessions to a waiter at the Locanda Grande the hotel at which he stayed. The medallions eventually went to the Museum d'Historia de Arte, while all of Winkleman's papers, including a personal diary, were sold at auction to Giovanni Termona, a local historian. Winkleman was buried in the cathedral churchyard that was later moved, and the Gardino Lapidario was created on its site. 
The cenotaph erected to Winkleman in the garden dates from several years after his death. A picture of Winkleman is also found, a reproduction of an oil painting by his friend, friend Anton Raphael Mings, made in 1771. His personal diary went to Giovanni Termana. And a will. Interesting. Leaving pretty much everything to the waiter. At Locanda Grande. Hmm. Uh, the uh, peculiarities of this short narrative certainly feel consistent with uh, the influence of these artifacts. His melancholy, his changing of minds, the sudden violence. What if, okay. Everything had to do with the head. He was strangled to death. Yeah, melancholic. Gonna, yeah, gonna make decisions. Maladies of the lungs or limbs. It seems to be particularly maladies of the mind. He had a piece. Yeah. Uh, these medallions that were collected, what do they, what are they, uh, do they have writing on them? What images? Yeah, they're, um, they're not, uh, they're not really similar to one another, except in general size and some are gold, some are silver. Uh, they depict various Roman, uh, uh, emperors. Uh, some of them, uh, have scenes of famous battles. Uh, etc. Of course, you can only see one side of them. Um, do a spot hidden for me. Oh, yeah. We need to find that journal. Ooh, that's a success, finally. Yeah, regular. I think. Those of you who passed, you do notice something a little odd about the container and the way that the, the medallions are displayed. It seems to you like there there's room for eight, but there's only seven there. Mm. The velvet itself has been slightly crushed. Uh, you can almost see the imprint of a an eighth medallion that is not there. Is it uh, at one end, or is it in the middle that one is missing? It's like they've rearranged the coins to display them with four on top and three on the bottom. But if you just moved them a little bit over, you could see there'd be a, a place for that fourth medallion. Like I said, they're not all the same, exactly the same shape and size, but they're mm-hmm. they're all around uh, fifty millimeters or uh, two inches. And I, I'm sorry, did, did you mention that what's on the medallion is different from each one? Oh yes, they're all different. They obviously come from slightly different periods. Yeah, okay, and things. But it does look like he had the box made specifically to bring them with him to wherever he was going. Well, yeah, we saw where he was going and ended up getting murdered. Am I mistaken, or have we had uh, Yena come up previously? Some other connection to the city of J-E-N-A. Yena, yeah. It strikes my memory, but perhaps I'm thinking of something else. 
so the, the the medallions are uh, just Roman antiquities that he had, but one of them is still re relevant. Um, I wonder if this. I wonder. Well, the first thing we should find, of course, is the diary. We have found those yeah. very useful in the past. So, if Herr Signore Termona is still alive, we should look him up. So, uh, yeah, the, the staff... it depends. I mean, yeah, the plaque is is interesting. If it's if the if this auction it's referring to is recent or if it is in the 1700s when he died. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the the painter is of interest to me, but long dead. Uh, the murderer is of interest to me, but long dead. But the uh, diary might be, if not in uh, Giovanni Termona's possession, he might have a descendant, or it might have been left to an institution of some kind. Yeah, the diary seems like the most value, because if, if we were sent, if 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 we were given the lead to look up Winkleman, then this is the closest we'll ever get to actually speaking with him, is his own words in his diary. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So what would you like to do? Uh, it's probably going on... I mean, you've probably been here longer than well, 15 minutes. You've been here for an hour yeah. and a half. No. Oh, yeah. it's, pushing, it's pushing lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, do we want to get lunch and then go to the library? I wonder if they have any more historical records so we can determine. Yeah, before we have lunch, I think we uh, can ask uh, someone here if uh, if they know if this uh, Termona is when this auction happened and if Termona is. Uh, living and local. Yeah, historians might, yeah, would know. Probably it's either way. Try. Yeah. So you want to go up to somebody working here again and ask? See, brandishing you, our you, you, you find that same fellow. Oh, how are you enjoying the museum? Oh, very much. It's just beautiful. Oh, you found, uh, you found Herr Winkelmann out in the garden? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it was a little joke of a friend of ours. He didn't explain that when we looked up Johann Winkelmann, we would find him long deceased. Well, I kind of played my own little joke on you. I, you, you said you were looking for him. I, I could see you thought that he was still alive. Well, I pointed you out in the direction. Uh, I'm sorry to do that. What What can I do for you? Well, here, here it's uh, it mentions something about a uh, a, uh, a an auction. Some some pieces were, were auctioned off. Do, do you know when that auction took place? Is uh, yeah, I think that happened uh, uh, not long after his death. Um, oh, the the Termona family, uh, they are still they exist. They have a long tradition of. Uh, being historians, uh, father, son, grandson. Uh, I believe the current uh, family head is uh, Antonio Termona. Okay, and they, and they live. They live in the 
in Trieste? Still, yes, or, yes, or? they they live oh. here. Um, but um, I mean, I don't I don't know their address offhand. Yeah. I of can course, probably. We uh, have very much in, been enjoying our travels uh, and meeting historic families around this great land. Uh, the uh, I was curious about one thing: the the uh, ancient Roman medallions that uh, that he he had collected, Hevinkelmann. There, it appears as though the case was built for eight of them, but there are only seven. Was one was there a great theft or? Well, I've never really noticed that before, but um, it was rather an odd murder because nothing was stolen. Hmm. Of course, uh, in the 18th century, people did not understand psychological difficulties and so on. It might have been true passion that uh, is not not rational to us. Certainly, Indeed. this Cavaceppi suffered a great deal uh, for the crime. Oh, the you mean uh, the man who did the cause uh, who did the murder? Yes. Arcangeli. Yes, they uh, they would have taken him, uh, and uh, I think it says they broke them all, broke him on the will. A horrible, horrible, torturous way to die. But uh, it's what a murderer would deserve, especially murdering somebody as important as uh, Johann Winkelmann. In these parts, uh, then, what happens to uh, the remains of such a criminal? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they would do. I don't know even if uh, if uh, the hotel even exists anymore. Mm. Uh, well, the, uh, I mean, might. the manner of his death was quite... Um... Violent, inhumane. Indeed, I think you know if we could. It's an interesting thing because um, I I don't know exactly where that hotel would have been. I think though that there's probably a marker. I could find. Let me see. Look on my. Little iPad here. <laughs> it's from the future. Um, it says the Locanda Grande. Uh, it gives. Uh, I, I've got an an address. Uh, Piazza Unita di Italia. Um, but this is uh, a historic listing. I don't know if it's still there. Mm. Mm. Anyway, if there's anything else, uh, you you mentioned something about libraries. There's a number of local libraries. What sort of information did you want? History, uh, records, 
thing right now. I can't hear anything. Mm. Uh, oh, I don't no, think I anybody is. Yeah, we're, we're all thinking. We're overthinking. We're, we're in. Do, do, do you know? Does the does the Termona family ever host any events? Do you know of? Or? Oh, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, we do occasionally. You know, great, great occasion, great, great once in a while. We'll see. You know, uh, Antonio. Uh, well. Uh... We are very much enjoyed our stay. We will, perhaps uh, you will see us again. Uh, do you recommend a, a place for lunch for some uh, oh, weary yeah. travelers? Yeah, there's a, a place just down the street called Maestro's. Very suitable. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Right. So we get some more coffee into you fellows who seem still very droopy from the, perhaps the travel, perhaps the lumpy pillow. I slept like a little babe. Yeah. Uh, little. And then we see, do we wish to uh, approach the Antonio Termona immediately? Or is there some other... I think that I think preparation. That, well, yeah, we eventually, yeah, seeing that journal would be vastly helpful. We hope so. I am of half a mind to go back to the train station and see if that fellow is still waiting anxiously around for his revenge or whatever he was waiting for from 1770 on. Hmm. Hmm. Anything's possible now after seeing what we've seen. Yes, indeed, anything is. I'm happier to see a man in a yellow suit than a man in a red fez. I'll say that. Yeah. As we say that, I look around the outsides again to see if anyone's like giving us an eye. I'm paranoid. No, you don't. You don't see anybody giving you <laughs> an eye. So what next? You don't really know where Termona is. Yeah, we should try to maybe look that up. City Hall Records, maybe. Uh, the, uh, wealthy family should have a telephone. There must be a telephone directory. It's a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. The concierge might know, like, uh, of taking a tour of sightseeing some of the wealthiest states of the area. No, and, and Dr. Neruda is... Uh, intellectually inclined has historical interests so if it's a long tradition of historians in the family and we have uh you know the the noted scholar from london recommended we consider the path of johann winkelmann mm -hmm. you say smile centers it's a very that's a very viable approach Smythe may be a very dangerous name to say, though. If the Tremonas happen to be part of the Brotherhood of the Skin. I mean, we, we don't have to bring up Smythe. Uh, Winkman was a famous historian. I mean, so, uh, uh, yeah, academics well, and con 
Yeah, I mean, we're from Miskatonic and academic contacts in Europe said that uh, exactly. Winkleman was of interest to our line of research. So, Perfect. And to be fair, if Hertha is a skinless one, he won't show us the diary no matter who sent us. He'll show us the edge of his scimitar, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> right. But, I mean, whether, yeah, if, if he's a brotherhood of the skin, he won't show us. He was not likely to show us the the diary, um, regardless. But if he is, and we say Smythe, then he knows who to. He can communicate about our interests, who we are, with the rest of. Yeah, we have been somewhat fortunate so far in having them die off before they can communicate to those farther down the train line. It's true. It is true. We have been fortunate. But we must take care of it. All right. Um, so you're going to head back to the hotel or something else? Yes, to talk to the yeah, concierge. Concierge, yeah. Okay. Um, so you head back to the hotel. Um, or you have lunch, you head back to the hotel. Um, the concierge is behind the, the desk. Um, messieurs, what can I... Oh, I'm speaking French all of a sudden. Uh, bonjour, messieurs. What can I do for you? Uh, yes, we were uh, interested in uh, the family, uh, the Termona, Termona family, if uh, we understand that they're uh, patrons of history and the arts, arts, which uh, is indeed uh, a fairly a fairly wealthy family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if like. Uh, you uh, had a phone book that they might be listed in, or uh... he he pulls out the phone book. Um, uh, do you know? Well, here you go. He hands it to you. I hand it to Theodore because he re- he speaks Italian and I don't. And I hand it to Dorian because <laughs> Dorian, <laughs> Dorian oh, yeah. speaks better Italian. Better than <laughs> Let me have a look, Theodore. Oh, you look like clowns. <laughs> Dorian what is a... the best at ad- at alphabetizing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, it takes you a few minutes to go through it, but I, I don't think you'd need it. it's alphabetical. You do find an Antonia Tormona, um, and an address and a phone number. I found it. Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> We we jot this down on a piece yes. of paper and we go to the lounge and discuss ourselves away from the clerk. Uh, so we have the question now: Do we wish to phone them and announce our interest, or do we want to visit them by surprise? The latter is ruder, uh, but the former is more. I think. As much as I don't like being a rude person, I think the ruder option might be better in this case, just in case. I don't think... Because if we ring ahead, they'll know. Yeah. Yeah, Go go ahead. Sorry, I was say, they they come with different risks, right? Because if we call ahead of time and they are nefarious and they don't tell us no, and they lure us into some kind of trap, Exactly. Or if they're not nefarious by being rude, we risk them not showing us the item when they 
otherwise might have. Oh, uh, the... yes, there's B. Oh, I was just thinking that the I think the phone call might might be the best way to go because uh, yeah, be, being rude would see the door close in our face quickly, and then we'd be we'd be stuck pretty harshly. Whereas if if uh, we had a phone call, we'd still we could still have an option of showing up later and play a. Uh, uh, play a different hand at maybe trying to convince them. But if we're polite on the phone, we could convince them. You're a very convincing uh, man, Dr. Neruda. You, you've also have a... We don't, wa we don't want to have another episode where we insult people by pretending something on their front step and then <laughs> have to jump through a number of hoops to get... <laughs> Uh, they set up a shop selling paintings on the... yeah. <laughs> that did, that did work <laughs> but but maybe maybe we before we go talk to him maybe we should do maybe a little cursory research on winkleman so we can at least go sell the story that hey we are actually kind of maybe doing a history on him i mean he wrote books and people write book biographies of people that wrote books and so we go in the, oh hey we're doing some research and we're able to try the diary would be hugely beneficial to, to this book we're working on oh, especially if if dr kurz and dr neruda led the charge in this it would seem very uh very believable that uh joint university study on this might really well i think i think as far as a joint university study with uh with miskatonic would make more sense with dabrowski i'm afraid i don't oh, know yeah. how much yeah. inorganic chemistry pertains to historical research i am an archaeo my main next area is archaeology <laughs> i have to do I mean, between archaeology and my studies in, in religion i mean his uh Winkleman's extensive studies into Greek art. Yeah, very natural. Yes. Uh, also, uh, looking at the map we have of Trieste, um, the uh, Tamona household is in the hills outside, is downtown in the city. We could say, oh, we were walking past and... It's it's not in the heart of the city. It's Yeah, yeah. so we have so to we make have it. Eight. We must make an appointment and seem civilized. Yeah. But yeah, we can we can go to the library first and then place a phone yes. call. And also at the library, I'd love to do additional research on just uh, the Termona family in history in the last, say, 50 years or so. Anything outstandingly gruesome or interesting okay but be nice to find out as well so you're going to head to the library then yes okay see oh are you going to make a phone call now and set up an appointment well uh i was you want to do some more research first yeah okay yeah we want to know as much about as uh as gunter i think suggested yeah. All right. Research him ahead of time, so we we at least know what we're talking about. Now, mm -hmm. uh, Keeper went that 
long handout that I read. Uh, I didn't get notes because I was reading it. The what was the, the name? Kava Pichi or Kava uh, Chepi was an, uh, an art dealer that was traveling with him. Okay, right. that's, that was his friend. Okay, and I'm All curious right. about find that as well because he left his friend in uh, restaurant Vienna. Vienna, Look. no, no, he they studied were... in Vienna. Regensburg, yeah. something like that. Well, it is but. worth looking into Cavachepi, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was maybe yeah. looking into that while other people are looking up other things. So, Given okay. that he was traveling with an art dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pieces of the simulacron could be construed as yeah. art. Oh, and yes. He, yes. It's beautiful. All right. Gina, so Gina, Mr. Dot. Get to the library. Um, uh, we'll go around the room. Dorian, what are you looking for? Uh, library. Well, to sell mine and Neruda's story, but more, I'll just be looking into more about uh, his work and what he actually did. Okay. Yeah, there's going to be a number of books on Winkleman and showing lots and lots of pictures of things that he rescued from places and rescued from places and brought back with him um uh theodore yeah i'm gonna look up uh like recent history say 50 years back of anything on the uh termona family like or were they in the news any any bizarre scandals anything frightening that might be connected to them or maybe something wonderful about them like do, are a, they... uh, do a library oh yeah here we go Oh, come on. <laughs> nope. That's a fail. A bad fail? It's an 84 out of my 40. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Neruda. I... Like, I'm really curious about the missing medallion, but I have no idea how to go about finding out what it was. So you're going to maybe look through some documents from that period? Yeah. just Maybe if you see what you could find, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do a do a library roll. Oh, four. That's a pulling all the stops for this library. You, you don't find anything directly about a medallion. You find, of course, information on medallions. Um, 50 millimeters is pretty large for medallions. Uh, uh, they're most of them are much smaller. Um, uh, but you're you're looking through it and you do you do find a book that jogs your memory about something and it's about uh Napoleon uh coming into this area on his as he was traveling uh with the army which was the same Napoleon and army 
that went through the areas where you found has stuff. Has kind before. of been leaving pieces of the simulacra in its train. Right. Yeah, I don't know. The Grand Armée. Mm-hmm. So if they you came... want to look deeper into that. Yes. Okay. Uh, how about Gunter? Uh, I was going to look up and uh, his his murderer, or, uh, if there's anything on him besides just, hey, he's the murderer. I kind of suspect that's all that'll be his only mention. But yeah, there's very little known about the guy. Okay. Yeah. You know, other than he turned out to be a thief. Although they call him a thief, but they don't know that he uh, whether he took anything or not. Right. Except there is there's one missing medallion, but. Mm-hmm. Those others are silver and gold. If he was a thief, yeah, you know, he could have pocketed that money. Nothing um, in, nothing in there about nothing in his trial or anything like that. No, okay. probably not much of a trial. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, Doctor Kurz. I'm curious about this um, unusual circumstance in which he survived this attack long enough to change his will and leave things to a lower class individual at a hotel which perhaps no longer exists but i wish to see the location and nature of this locanda grande okay i'll go ahead and do a library roll Oh, oh, oh! The regular success only. We are okay. nobody is rolling hot tonight. Well, that's good enough. Um, you find this information that the Locanda Grande, uh, it once stood at the Piazza uh, Unita d'Italia, but it was demolished in 1847. Um, prior to that, it had been known as the Osteria Grande. And originally, it was called the Hospitium Magnum uh, when it was was as old as a Roman times. Um, uh, A new hotel was built. The Hotel Garni was built on that site in 1873. And it has now been renamed the Hotel Vanoli, which currently stands at that same spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, old enough to have been uh, a tavern or in in the Roman era, it might have depth, it might have even catacombs. We might consider changing our residence, gentlemen, or at least investigate the Hotel Vanoli and see. Uh, and there's nothing, of course, about the the staff member who was the recipient of the will. Nothing. Yeah. Um, Dr. Gabriel, as you are looking through things, uh, you do find an old document um, that sparks your interest as you are looking at it and think that it may be of some relevance. Summary of findings of court-martial it's written. Do you, do you read French? No. So you grab one of the French speakers. Yeah, the grab one of the house. French speakers. Oui, oui. Comment allez-vous? 
<laughs> dated 13 September 1797. Chief de Battalion Gaston Fusel presiding. At the inquiry into the deaths of Sergeant Andre Legrand and Soldat and Soldier Jules Hieron, the following facts were determined by the tribunal. On, on the 9th of September, Sergeant Andre Legrand, Corporal Marcel Lanzner, and Soldier Jules Hieron, and Louis Cochefer from Legrand's unit were drinking at a tavern. Il Cap Capro Ubriaco, the drunken goat, where they fell in with Marchetti. They fell in with Marchetti. Witnesses present stated that Legrand was very drunk. Corporal Blazonaire and the two soldiers went upstairs, where the tavern owner also ran a brothel. Upon their return, Legrand and Marchetti had disappeared. Legrand's body was found in a nearby alley at a short time, a short time later. Witnesses stated that it was common knowledge in the unit that Sergeant Legrand had acquired some valuable treasure in Paris. This item was kept in his, his kit. The bag had been in Legrand's possession at the tavern, but was missing when his body was found. Lassenaire, Heron, and Cochefer sought Marchetti, partially to revenge their sergeant, but also to recover Legrand's treasure. On the 10th of September, the three men found Marchetti drinking at Caverna de Reddy, the Lizard's Cave Tavern. They waited until he left and ambushed him, stunning him and dragging him to a cold sack where they sought to extract the location of the bag. Witnesses stated that Marchetti at first denied having the bag, but after being beaten, confessed that he had passed the bag and its contents to his master. Marchetti refused to reveal the name of his master, and a further beating ensued. It was at some time during the second beating that Marchetti's shirt was torn from his body. The facts from this point are unclear. Witnesses report hearing screams, followed by repeating, repeated heavy blows. The civil authorities were summoned, and upon investigation, Lansensier and Carrefour were found, dazed and bleeding, along with two bodies. One was the body of Huron, who appeared from the marks about his throat to have been strangled. The other body was battered beyond recognition, but may have been the body of Marchetti. Lansensier claimed that the body was that of a monster that strangled Huron before it was killed. He claimed that the subsequent damage to the body was caused by by, Cho, by Cochifer beating it with the billet of wood. A blood-soaked billet was found at the scene. Cochifer has not been able to testify. Doctors have examined him, concluded that it is unlikely that his mind will ever return. The finding of this tribunal is that Legrand was killed by civilian Marchetti in the course of a robbery. Heron was killed by person or persons unknown. The death of Marchetti is unconfirmed. So a gruesome little piece of information that you seem to have found. So it seems it seems that it's a piece of the simulacrum may have made its way here. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. I kind of... Sergeant Legrand was probably carrying it. Yeah, in his, in his kit. If it fit in his kit also and is easily transported, it is consistent, uh, Dr. Neruda, with the idea that it was the head. Yeah. Uh, although not certainly. I don't know what that kit looked like, it but is, it is consistent. There uh, is something with the timeline 
when this Winkleman died yeah. was before the revolution. So Jean Avert still had the complete simulacra in France, as far as we're aware. That seem right? What what was that? Sorry. Yeah, seventeen seventy one is yeah, well before the Napoleon was uh, on his campaigns. So Winkleman, the guy oh, who's buried yeah. here, mm-hmm. died. He had some he he had this the changing of his mind and the strangulation and he died, but that was before yeah. the the revolution led to the uh, institutionalization of Jean Aver and the smashing apart of the or the dispersion of the simulacra. Jean Aver. Hmm. Mm. Although, well, no, I don't know. Yes, is that our understanding at this point that since the the mad monk escaped with the pieces with the suit in more or less intact in the eleventh century, that he still had all of the pieces as late as the eighteenth century? I'm not I don't I do not know if we're certain of this. But uh, your point is well taken, yes. You uh, pass an intelligence roll. I'll, I'll jog your memory. Oh, yeah. Forty-three is a regular pass for intelligence. Wow, I failed, and I have an eighty-five intelligence. <laughs> I have a ninety. But I have an eighty, but I only got a regular. Um, I, 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 yeah, I was meaning just a doctor courage, but uh, you passed. Um. All of the documentation that you found back in Paris seemed to indicate that it was a statue that was broken apart that was owned by John of R. It didn't say pieces of the statue. So he probably had the whole simulacrum there in Paris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is the attachment to our Winkelmann? Well, Winkelmann is German, and John Avere was pretending to be German. He was he was Prussian, right? Yes. Yes. And so Winkel I mean, and Winkelmann was alive at the same time as this monk Jean Aver person. They may have had contact with each other. He went he went past through Jena, right? Mm-hmm. He studied at Jena, Winkelmann did. Oh, okay. All right. Because but, it, but if he's dead in 71 and the statue is still intact. Right, but what I'm I guess what I'm getting at is so you have the monk. Yeah. And around the time of the seven, late 1700s, he's pretending to be a German Viscount. 
Mm-hmm. Winkleman is interested in statues quite extensively. And here is a person of note with a statue of antiquity. It may be that Winkleman at some point has come across this. So I think it's still, I guess what I'm getting at, I still think it's worth looking into this Winkleman, even if he may not lead us to a piece. He still might have some useful information in his annals about the simulacrum. Yeah. Maybe. But he couldn't leave anything to anyone or have anything, and his mysterious death is somehow separate from this. I hope that we have a useful message from Smythe at the post office Monday morning. I'm curious as to why he sent us on. It seems now that Tresti is almost, we are here to find a gaunt, a goose. Uh, if that, I, I still think that that journal will connect some of these dots. Mm. Mm-hmm. That monk still living after all this time, taking on maybe different different faces or different guises. It's uh. The fact that he uh, retained a a Turkish epithet that was given to him and changed it into French and German names that sounded similar, he's, uh, he toys with us over time. He plays with us like, like a cat with vermin. As you hear, do, do a spot hidden for me. All, all of us? Yeah. Okay. Hey, look at that. 49 Advice. is a regular pass. So those of you who are doing your research, you're looking around. You notice uh, at a, a, a table in the library there is a man. Uh, he's sitting over towards one end of a table, and he is uh, warm. He's he's wrapped up in warm clothes and a bit of a hood that he's wearing. And uh, there is a book on the on the table in front of him, uh, but he's sitting rather upright. And um, he's staring at the book. And the reason why you've noticed him is this happened uh, it's happened a couple times now. Uh, he'll stop reading. He'll, he'll sit back. And uh, he, he sort of will look around. And somebody from the, uh, the staff will walk over to where he is and turn the page and then walk away and he'll go back to reading and you've seen this a couple times does he does he have arms well you can't really tell he's got a cloak on 
Um, he's not, he doesn't look like he's in good shape, you know. Um, Does he look young? Does he look like somebody well, who would have been in the Great War? Looks like he could have been in the war. Looks like he's, uh, but but fairly, you know, on the younger side. Yeah. Um, but you see this happen a couple times as he's uh, sitting there. Um, I'll just kind of walk by and see if I can see what book he's reading. Okay. Uh, he is reading a book on uh, looks like ancient Greek mythology. Hmm. When you walk, we'll assume you're kind of walking behind him as you walk by. Yeah. He he becomes a bit nervous, <laughs> like you know, and we'll we'll give you there that you can see that. Yeah, you don't see any arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they go go by. Uh, don't see any arms. You read Greek mythology. I. Uh, man, I try to think of a good icebreaker for this dude, but let's go. Just, uh, just go. Oh, uh, pardon me. Pardon me, sir. I was just uh he, he immediately looks up at you and uh he looks very nervous and uh he's shaking and he uh he sort of scrambles up out of his seat. Uh you see a uh an arm comes out from under his cloak, but there's no hand. Mm-hmm. It's like it's been cut. And he sets himself up, glances back at you, and makes for the door. Not like he's an, in a panic, but just like you've made him incredibly nervous. And oh. uh, you also see him sort of wave his arms. You can see that he doesn't have hands on either arm uh, at the person that was turning his pages. And uh, and he goes. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. I'm not going to give chase because, and he doesn't say anything either. So, am I nearer the door? That might I may I be able to to say something to him or, um, sure. I'll Uh, let you have a spot hidden too. Okay, sure. Hmm. And my spot hidden is uh, fail. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Oh, but it's so close, though. Oh, it's so close. Oh, oh, how oh, can I? Oh, no, I, I, how do you? Yeah, you can't really push a spot hidden, can you? <laughs> I can't look harder. <laughs> you, you, you can. You can push a spot get, hidden. Get yeah, there might be some nasty consequences if you fail, though. Okay. Like you trip him. <laughs> okay. Well, can't catch uh, himself because. Okay. No, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just try to to be maybe not aggressively invasive, but I'll just sort of try to, try to. Oh, come on! Oh, bunny poop. Okay. Now I think I right. tripped him or something. I was All trying right. to so be very nice. You kind of, you kind of try to do it. You. You run, you you sort of run into him and almost knock him off of his feet, and he, uh, in kind of fear and annoyance, um, 
he looks looks just stares you straight in the eyes as he brushes past and he he opens his mouth and when he does um it takes you a second to realize what you're seeing but he has no tongue and all he can do is make kind of a like this as he goes by you so sorry so and i just in italian is so sorry i apologize so sorry just wanted to offer you a, a meal but you also notice something else you notice that when he goes outside and gets outside he stops outside turns back around and he's kind of looking in to to take note of you all And then he disappears. He goes somewhere. Oh, gosh. Well, I guess I'll uh, look at what page he was reading, what it was about. Oh, boy. Uh, Just some general, you know. Persephone or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. And ask the library staff, so who was that man we just accidentally accosted? Antonio Termono. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> You've ruined everything. Back it up. Oh, Campaign's oh, over. <laughs> hmm. Strange. Oh. Uh, so like did he have like cloth covering what I would assume would be stumps? No. Um I I I don't know. I mean, if if the doctor was here, he would know that whoever did the surgery job did a pretty good job. Okay. Yeah, that got cuz cuz I I'd fought in the war. I was, I was trying to did it look like his arms were blown off or maybe like cut off or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know what though, the, the, it's pretty much just a rounded end. Okay. At this yeah. point. Hmm. He might've walked a little oddly too, because you know, there might be more, more things that you can't see. Yeah. It's all screwed up. Yeah. What strikes me, however, is that even, uh, in the most unfortunate injuries from the Great War, uh, if a man's head is intact, his tongue is unlikely to be separate. So it is more likely that he was the victim of intentional torment rather than simply stepping on a landmine, for example. Yeah, there's no like, no heavy scarring on the jaw, like it was had to be reattached or anything. Yeah, he didn't see anything like that. I just wonder if it's some tar- sort of torture. You know, removed his hands, removed his tongue, messed up <laughs> his legs. These are things that are done to criminals in primitive societies, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or by terrible actors in modern societies. Very cruel. And yet he is, uh, he was dressed, how would you say? Shabby. Mm. Um, I mean, he had a 
had a coat to keep warm, but it was it was pretty ratty. I was going to offer him a nice warm meal, but I got so carried away, I just sort of yeah, when, watched that up. Yeah, when someone was broken on the wheel, they didn't chop their hands off and stuff, right? They just they they kind of like bludgeon people with it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then like kind of once they broke their limbs, they kind of like wound them onto the wheel and just set it somewhere for everybody to see. Or rolled it down a hill. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Dr. Nolan, are you not serious about asking the staff about this man's identity? No, we should ask the staff about it. They should just do it more tactfully than yeah, well, you are a tactful fellow, and Thursby is obviously embarrassed. So by... I will. I'll go. I'll go approach one of the people that was helping turn pages. Bonjour, Monsieur. And I'm, uh, I'm like, uh, <laughs> my bonjour, my, Signore. My, uh, I have to offer my sincere apologies on behalf of my my associate. Um, the. Uh, the young man who was who was reading there. He, um, what was his name? I uh, I want to make uh, make it up to him somehow. Oh, that's uh, we didn't want to distress him. That's uh, Helmut uh, Grosslinger. Grosslinger. I don't know that. Alexa, shut up. Um, Helmut Glo- Grosslinger. Um, uh, he's uh, a little uh, me- mentally damaged. Um, I don't really know much about him, but he comes in here all the time to read. I think he used to be uh, uh, either a reporter or a uh, maybe a police detective, something like that. But he's, I think he was in the war. I see. Oh. He's quite eccentric. Quite eccentric. This is. Yeah, so thank uh, you for. Thank you for uh, letting me know. Of course. Right. Uh, Roland, did you have a question? I was going to ask if you normally read this sort of thing, but yeah, I will ask. I I don't know about always, but when I've helped him, it's always been uh, ancient history, um, things like that. He likes the mythology stories. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is, after all, an ancient place. But he, of course, is not. Uh, is he, do you think he was born in Trieste or what the Germans no call it? Yeah. He reads in German? Yeah. Yeah. It must be very complex to have. I mean, I, uh, excuse me, I am. Uh, from Switzerland, and we have also to manage the different languages in one civilization together. Uh, how do you divide the, all the different 
tongues in the library? Well, they used to be fairly well divided uh, in sections, uh, but um, lately um, the Italians have been uh, getting rid of all of the uh, foreign language books. Hmm. Our collection is dwindling. Is there a repository for them if things change politically in the future? I mean, you have so much history here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll say there is, yeah. It's the bonfires out front. That's a repository. God forbid. Speaking away from the librarian, just close by, and something about the nature of his mute, his injuries, the intentionality of it. I mean, why else remove somebody's tongue and hands unless you don't want them to be able to communicate something? Yeah, of course, you know, the, the injuries of the Great War are so many and varied. Perhaps it was just his misfortune and something went up in a way that severed his tongue. But it seems to me that, yeah, it was an attack and not uh, not merely a casualty of the violence of war. He is so timid as well. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't begin to know how we would seek him and ask him any questions about what he experienced. So what would you do next? Yeah, the question is, do we think we have a basis to approach this Antonio Termona? I think so. If if I stayed later for like another hour or two, could I could I keep pressing my my looking into uh, any of the histories of that family for the last fifty years? Like sort of like a like a. I'll, I'll let you do one more library. All right. Hopefully, this won't mean that I accidentally burned the library down. <laughs> Knock over oh. one shelf into the next shelf into the next shelf into the next shelf. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably what's going to happen. I just rolled an 81. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my night. So you just, <laughs> you don't find any information directly about the Termona family at the library. Okay. All right. I know card catalogs can be confusing. If only there was some kind of like singular box you could go to and just. <laughs> tell it the title of a book and it would imagine <laughs> all right so what would you like to do next then yeah well shall we call the uh hermonas and see if we can set up an appointment probably about two in the afternoon at this point i think yeah we'll be yeah, I'll call uh dorian do you want to speak to them or shall i Actually, you should, because you speak Italian. I don't. 
I, yeah, I was gonna say I do, <laughs> but that, that la- last time I let the charge on speaking, I nearly screwed up. So maybe Theodore should and I should be there next to him just to correct some Italian. I, I, I don't know if you've been following my successes <laughs> today. I mean, as, uh, I'll as, be, so you're I'll saying be we should have you him. lead the lead the phone call, Theodore. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's something stuck in my throat. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll make I'll make the phone call. Just Naruto, be there to whisper in my ear in case I go. Uh, well, you can discuss what you want to say it. before you make the phone call. Yeah, just say that yeah. we're we are That's academics fun. from Miskatonic University um, in America. We are here doing a research into the into the religions of of eastern of eastern europe we heard about you know winkleman and his work with the greek with uh with greek history we are aware that your family purchased some things in an auction in the 1700s that still may be that you may still be in the family we're just wondering if we could look through anything that's extant that's what yeah. I'm saying. I am basically going to pretend I've said that when I'm on the phone call to them. Okay. So when you call, the person who answers the phone sounds very formal. So from the voice, you, you're going to guess that it's probably a servant. Um, uh, he says, you know, Termona residence. Who's speaking? Uh Dr. Dorian Dabrowski, uh, I am a foreigner from uh, the Miskatonic University. I would like to speak to someone in charge of the house. One moment. Uh, just in regards to One moment. academic purposes. There we go. So a few moments go by, and uh, a voice picks up, uh, this time far more... Uh, Friendly sounding. Um, uh, good afternoon. Uh, this is Antonio Termona. What can I do for you? Who is this? Oh, he- hello, Mr. Termona. Oh. I am Dorian Dabrowski, uh, Doctor of Archaeology. I am from uh, the Miskatonic University. I am with In the a United States. Oh, yes, yes. I am yes, actually sir. originally from Europe myself, but... I ended up across across there to study. Um but I'm here with well I'm here with a few fellow professors and um a couple of other colleagues and we are combining our knowledges to look into religion and I'll basically repeat what Naruda told me to say to him. Okay. Um uh, uh well yes, we, we still house the uh the Winkleman uh, collection. Um, there's quite a few documents. Uh, uh, I have an appointment this afternoon, but uh, perhaps tomorrow at uh, eleven in the morning. Uh, if you, uh, how many of you are there? Uh, there's five of us, and that would be perfect. All right. Um, uh, yes, of course. 
if you'd like to look through the documents, I can I can accommodate you. Um, oh, yeah. thank thank you, Patrick. Do you have our address? Yeah. Uh, no, I do not. Only your phone number. He gives he gives you the the address. Since I look forward to meeting you. Thank you. Likewise. Oh. Uh, I thought I, go ahead. Uh, I thought it would be best not to say that we had his address, just because then it would look a bit more <laughs> suspicious. We know who you are. We know where you live, <laughs> and we want those goddamn documents. And I'm trying oh. not to make the same mistake I made with the man from the from the <laughs> shop <laughs> with the clicks. Okay, well, unless you have anything else to discuss, we can call it there. It's about two hours. Okay. Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gassaway, Stuart Lipley, Keith Craig, and Josh Harwood, with yours truly as the Keeper of the Secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members, you can set up private games, and you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you would like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Thank you.